I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. Yeah. You just gotta accept that. One, he's Scottish, and two, it's Steve. <laughs> There's one where on the accountability where people are like, I talk, I interrupt, and he talks too much, and then he just, I was working on not interrupting, and he goes, Ben, this is where you need to interrupt me. I've been rambling on for the last five minutes. I'm like, God dang it! Like, I need you to interrupt me, or else I just ramble on. Well, you know, yeah. he kind of got to let him give him enough rope to hang I was, himself. I mean, I literally, that's two, what I'm like. Hey, I'm just waiting for you to figure it out. You just choke him, and yeah. when you choke him, it doesn't do any good. Okay, yeah. let's get you into this. Do the introduction. All right, three, two, one. We're going all right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another uh, Ordinary to Extraordinary podcast. I'm here with Ben, and we have a guest in the studio, Tyler Dickerhoof, today. And I know Tyler from the gym, and I actually have uh, the very first time we talked. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I, have a, I have a confession about the first time we talked. We, we used <laughs> to grunt deep at into each, each other's we, eyes. We kind of grunted at each other. I'm yeah. getting really scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to have to brief my wife on later? I was like, no, it's not like that. It was that one time in the steam room. <laughs> pretty no, sure. I don't go there. I don't. I, that's his thing. That's his gig. <laughs> he's like, he's in there, and I really question what people do in there, but I don't go there. I, uh, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> you, were, you were training, I was training. I was actually playing some basketball, and I went to take a drink of water. To this point, we kind of nodded our heads, grunted at each other, as you do with men at the gym, right? Wow. And uh, I spilt a bunch of water on the basketball floor, and you were doing the pushing thing Uh with the wheels. Okay. And you hit where I I was away to get a paper towel, and I came in just as you were pushing. You hit the water, and you went straight up in the air, came down, and you just looked at me and went, ouch, and stormed out, right? I don't know if Seriously? you remember this. Yeah, you, you, no, you no, I your, think it was someone different. No, you hurt yourself, right? So no. I'm like, should I tell him that I did that? <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time you told him? I'm no, stood there like, holding a paper towel. Right, I swear so, to God, this happened. So I, I have a fairly good memory, <laughs> and I'm going to say, unless there's an absolute like shock of lightning, I think you're thinking of the wrong person. Nope, it was you. I well, promise. It was, Shoot. and it had to be a year and a half, maybe you, two years you're ago. You're getting older. Your memory starts to slip after a while. And then, I mean, hey, literally, uh, all I all I need to know is, <laughs> did I shave my head for this? Because I mean, I just thinking about, I got all prepped up. I shaved my head this morning, and it's just like, guys, I'm coming with my best, and I'm that's, learning about slipping and falling. That's the first time I did, spoke. Did to I you. ask for help to get up? No, you stood up and you just went ow and walked off because you were finishing up, right? And. I was like, uh, should I tell him that I'm the guy that spilt that Frick. water? Because I'm still there. I'm still there holding a paper yeah. towel. Now I was he doesn't even remember it, it, but now he's mad. <laughs> he doesn't even I mean, remember it, but hey, now he's mad. If you wanted somebody to storm out, yeah. 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 this will be the best podcast ever. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> you ever seen somebody get pissed off and storm out? So that's my first, at least my first memory of my first interaction with you. Wow. And then it was probably like a week later. I think it was Adam Jackson that actually said, "Hey, do you know Tyler?" Like, and we started talking after that, and. There you go. There you go. Wow. So, 
I'm just like dumbfounded here. Yeah. <laughs> we I mean, see each other at the gym every day, obviously. Well, most days. And this week our schedule synced up. We've both been going a bit later. We've been tired and had some late nights. Uh, this week has been a little bit like that. It's been a little bit ebb and flow. Um, I am normally a – there is no – so our kids, we have three kids, 12, 10, and 9, girl and two boys. And ever since they were little, gone to bed at 7.30. And still, and even though, you know, like last night practices were over at 7.30, by the time we get home, get dinner, uh, it's 8.30. It's way past my bedtime, way past their bedtime. And uh, that is something that I have no shame in going to bed before 8 o'clock. Um, but I also, like this morning, my alarm went off at 4.15, and I'm usually up before that, but uh, I enjoy that. I prefer it. Honestly, it's, it's twofold. I find that there's way less interruption with my phone, whether it may be social media, whether it be emails, whatever else. And I don't have a you know time clock, 8 o'clock, and all of a sudden, but it just seems that if I am at the gym past 7 o'clock, it is messages left and right and the day begins and get distracted. So uh, mm-hmm. I am a early riser. I, I have been. I grew up on a dairy farm, and, and I can remember I tell my kids this, and, and they don't quite comprehend it. It's like, you guys have it lucky, but I think parents do that in a lot of ways. But totally. um, I grew up on a small dairy farm, um, and it was, the employee force was my older sister, my parents, and I. And uh, I can remember in between 8 and probably 13, 14, uh, I'd have to get up at 5 in the morning, and I can remember my parents coming in to wake me up, and I would hear them, and I would hide underneath my bed so I didn't have to get up and go out and do chores and get up and work. So uh, <laughs> if I think about it, I've been, you know, since I was 8, 9 years old, getting up at 5 in the morning and just kind of habit. created that yeah. habit. Yeah. yeah, Good place to start. Then why don't you tell us who you are, what you are, where you came from, what you story are. so far. What you are? Yeah, what yeah. you are. Um, last start. I what, checked, what I was a are. person. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> Homo sapien? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're going men in black and then I have to all of a sudden <laughs> zap you with the light and kind of like... <laughs> freeze all this from your memory. No, um, so as you said earlier, my name is Tyler Dickerhoof. I have lived here in Spokane for about 10 years, originally from Ohio. I am a Buckeye through and through, even though I didn't go to school there. Big Uh, 10, baby. uh, I'm a Big 10 fan. Uh, I did go to school in New York, went to Cornell University, uh, had the opportunity to experience more snow than I'd ever seen in my life, quickly uh, vacated the Northeast and moved to California. Uh, And I was a nutritionist for dairy cows. Growing up on a dairy farm, um, my dad as well had an additional career of being a nutritionist for dairy cows. He still is today. And um, I took on that career in California, worked for a large corporation, did that for about five years, and then started my own business, Dicker Hoof Nutrition, which still exists today with a little bit of twist and, and revamp. Um, and that was kind of how I started professionally. And uh, if I look back now, it seems way, way long ago. But yet the virtues that I've learned and, and really the funny thing is our business now is, is health and wellness network marketing. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be there. I have an animal science degree. I have you know that background. I've always been intrigued by health and fitness um, and nutrition ever since I was little. And uh, the opportunity now to be involved in um, really impacting lives more than I ever did when I was doing nutrition for cows and you know you think about that hey what what I'm doing today isn't making an impact and when I was helping people on with their business and and making sure cows were healthy and productive um, it, it was always like I enjoy this but there's a way to do more to help more people and um, God brought that into our, our lap and our existence about eight years ago and um, 
I, I can't see myself doing anything different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been an absolute joy and, and blessing. So um, with that, my wife, Kelly, uh, we've been married. It'll be 14 years this year. Uh, she's originally from California. And um, three kids, as I mentioned earlier, all involved in activities, sports, so forth and so on. And uh, that's actually where I remember meeting Stephen. And so okay, he coaching. seems to have blocked this out. I was uh, coaching in an organization that Stephen had a brief. This happened um, after, though. This it was after. after well, the fall. that was that was that was longer than two years ago. So <laughs> I don't know where fall, this time frame. Like it knocked something me, loose in there. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and uh, so that's how I, I got to know kind of Stephen and and related and uh, you know have mutual friends through that world. And uh, it's a world that I, I vastly enjoy. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy sports. I played a lot of soccer. I played more soccer than anything Good. else growing up because it fit my skill set and my size. I was an absolute runt all the way through i was a tiny <laughs> tiny little guy and uh so soccer fit me because i could play and yeah yeah you were a late bloomer then wiry not now. no I, I well i grew nine inches in high school did you really wow I absolutely Jeez. grew in nine height, inches right? oh, excuse me in height in height yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoa whoa easy Jeez, dude seriously see I that's why i don't system. that's why i don't go to the steam room yeah you know, <laughs> let's just be honest Smart man. <laughs> yeah, I heard what they did. It's bad enough in the locker room in the gym. You know you're getting old. True. You know when you're getting old is when you walk around the locker room and you just strut your stuff. But, you but just, I mean, you just let yeah. it all hang out, and then you put your leg up on the bench yeah. and you make sure you get everything dry. Getting the powder under there. I mean, yeah. sometimes you gotta. That's I mean, awful. it's when you zig and you should zag and you turn left. Well, and you're like, oh, I didn't need to see that. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Why does it look like that? <laughs> Before I throw up. <laughs> Sorry, we got we got off on a tangent. Yeah, that, that we're, never we're gonna happens do on that. your show. We're gonna I mean, do that. that. that I've this learned show that. is a tangent. I prepped a little bit. Yeah. I listened to a couple episodes. How much did you drink before? Well, <laughs> yeah. not enough. Let's just be honest. Don't you think it's kind of fun when we just go off on well, tangents? Well, for you guys, and that's what's important. <laughs> you know, you find your tribe that enjoys that, and it's like, it's fine. And obviously, we know that your hairdresser doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't enjoy my voice. Soul. Well, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, watch it. Um, yeah, so... Uh, that's a little bit about me, health and wellness, network marketing. We've been doing that eight years and have been blessed and have been yeah. blessed to really uh, have a lot of success and, and not really, I would say, sure why. Um, I think network marketing is a great industry that gets a, a black eye a lot of times because yeah. there's people that say, hey, you you know, this is the way it should be. Um, I think those people are also uh, probably trained in the used car sales high pressure system and that doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work in car sales. It's funny. I mean, uh, my brother, my brother, uh, I have a younger brother, he's eight years younger and uh, we haven't spent much time together. He has a background in uh, turf grass management, worked on a golf course in Colorado. He's worked for us the last two years, kind of managing some of our properties. And uh, he's been driving a truck that I bought 14 years ago, 15 years ago now, 300 and some thousand miles on it. So we decided, hey, it's time to get a new truck. So it's his birthday, get him a new truck. And we're at a, a local um, used car place. And it, it was amazing to me, the experience and how people finally have switched. It's not the high pressure sales. We're going to convince you into everything that the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. You have to buy this protection, that protection. It was kind of like, yeah, we got to go through our spiel, but you know what? It is, it's It's on you. And I, I believe that everything in life, the, the more we look at it and when you treat people, how you want to be treated. And if you treat people that it's a high pressure sale and today's the last day and you're never going to get it again, they're either going to be twofold. They're not going to trust you 
and they're going to walk out the door or they're going to walk out the door and feel like they got suckered mm-hmm. and return it, say bad things about you never want to do it again. And I think that's where if I look at our success in business and what I learned in my nutrition career, couple that with what Kelly, my wife, learned in her hair career and how we applied that to network marketing, it's one find a solution for people. If there's a solution fits them, great. If not, move on. And also treat people like people. Uh, treat people like people and care about them and want to help them and provide a service to them. And if you're doing that and you're caring about people first, yeah. I don't care what business you're in. True value. I don't yeah. care if you're in you know, uh, credit card processing. I don't care if you're a financial advisor. If your first inclination is, I want what's best for you, mm-hmm. and you lay whatever, you know, financial implication you have aside, you will make that person the best decision. And if your service is their best decision, they're going to be happy for it. And if your service isn't most fulfilled, I would think too. Well, I think that comes to, because if they're, if your service is not what's best for them today Mm -hmm. and you say, Hey, you know what, this isn't best for you. And they're like, well, why? Well, this is why they're going to walk away and feel like that person cares more about me as a person than the dollars that I could possibly provide to them. And that is what makes business successful. Um, Not that, Hey, I'm going to cha-ching, cha-ching, you know, flop and turn and run. And I never see you again. Well, isn't that so funny? Cause it's the guys or gals or what I'm just using guys as a term that really are the ones that want to make the most money that seem to do the high pressure sales thing. And it usually bites them in the butt, right? It's like those that are relational that focus on demonstrating value for their clients are the ones that truly change their industry and do incredibly well. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's been something that I think has there's there's been examples of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been I I would say this, you know, and my my idea and thought isn't to talk about network marketing, but the idea of what it's provided to me is it's an industry like no other. And I worked in for a private company that did a lot of training, that did a lot of, you know, all those things, had my own business, the ability to do so. But being able to develop as a person and develop as a person um, in the avenues that have been there. And, and one of the things that we've gotten to do, Kelly and I, is is have the ability to be around great leaders and great people that are great examples. And um, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A headquarters. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by the personality, by the service, by the culture of Chick-fil-A. And, and people want to bash on Chick-fil-A because of their you know, moral stances. And that's okay. That's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But when you look to me how they treat people in mm-hmm. person, I don't think there's any question in any stores and in their corporate office. And, and one of the things that I learned that day from, from Truett Cathy, and he has this uh, proverb on his wall, is it is better to have a good name than anything else. Mm. And, I, and I think part of that comes down to, going back earlier, when you're trying to serve people, when you're trying to help people, um, when your aim is to, I want to have a good name, I want them to think good of me, and I, so I'm going to treat them in the right way, Everything else flows downhill from there. Everything else is just going to fall in line. But if your goal is, I want it about me, I want to make money, I want to have status, I want to be the cool thing, then you're no longer thinking about anything else. And that you may make money in the short term, but it's going to disappear quickly. It's going to be gone. But when your ideology is, I just want to serve people, and if I do my best and find my strengths to serve people, dude, money will come. Yeah. You touched Every on. Time. You touched on some some concepts there that Ben and I actually discussed a few podcasts ago. Specifically, uh, go out with the intention of helping. Don't go out with the intention of selling, right? And and I love that. I love that you've reinforced that. But the other thing you touched on is 
the negative connotations that come with network marketing, whether you call it network marketing, Amway, multi-level marketing, Isogenics, Herbalife, whatever it is, right? Um, notice I pronounced the H, by the way, which you guys don't for some reason. You say Herbalife. But anyways, on that... Herb. <laughs> Herbalife. <laughs> we, one of the concepts we wanted to focus on today was that the three of us are in industries that really do get a bad rap. So there's times when I walk into businesses without a warm introduction and have to meet people and they say I've had 10 of you guys call me today don't be like the rest and it's like hey I'm not I want to learn about you and build a relationship I want to focus on the difference so I've noticed seeing what you and Kelly do on social media how you interact with people you're really focused on leadership and building teams and enabling people to do the job well as opposed to selling your next shake or your next set of pills or whatever it is that Isogenics has a latest offering of. Can you talk about that and what your approach there has been versus the the ones that you meet at network mark or network meetings where they're like, hey, you should buy this shake and you can lose five pounds if you drink this. And it's like, no, come on, let's talk about a, a holistic approach here. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I, as I'm going through that and I'm trying to think about the evolutions and the roots and, and where that came from. And as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, my career started in um, selling myself. I was selling myself, but I was selling another company. And, and I struggled with that for a lot of years. And in part, the company I was working for, they had a, a solution service. And in the back of my mind, because of the experience I had in the industry, um, I knew it wasn't the only solution. Mm -hmm. And I think what's kind of hard, hard is when you walk into a place and you're trying to say, well, this is the best solution. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, there's other solutions too. And, and so that, that plagued me for the first five years of my career, quite honestly. And then, you know, that was really the catalyst to me. Like, I got to have my own business. Uh, one, I want to be able to just, I'm entrepreneur heart. I mean, yeah. it, that's it. And then at the same point, when I started that and I had success, all of a sudden, some of my um, success waned. You know, I, I lost a few clients. And, and let me give you some context here. Uh, so I was, um, my dairy uh, nutrition business was in Central California, where there's more cows than anywhere else in the world. Um, but I was segmented into a small uh, segment of the marketplace, and I had about 75 customers to call on. Now, to give you context for both of you that are in financial world, these customers <laughs> were the largest of their large. So that would be like you, Ben, saying you get to call on 75 people that are worth $100 million. Yeah, That's it. You get that. You're, the rest of your career, you get to focus on calling on 75 people. I'd like them all that, as clients. He's so excited yeah. right but now. But you would that. like them all as clients. Yeah. But you. He's saying that's you, your pool that you get to That's your pool. That's all you get to call from. with. And it would be like, Stephen, you saying, okay, you get to call on 75 targets. So huge volume, but yet also how many people Pretty are limited. calling on those people every day? Mm -hmm. Tens and tens and tens and tens of hundreds. And, and so being in that situation and, and being insecure, it's like, like I thought I had to have the answer. And, and that was my insecure like reverberation is go back to, oh, I just have all the answers. You know, yeah. I, I was, you know, as a kid, it was whatever else is like, try to be smarter because I was the runt. I was mm -hmm. the tiny guy. And, you know, so it always masked to be smarter. And Improve it wasn't until really getting involved in network marketing and having things go through our life and realize that, no, that's, that's what people do when they're insecure is I have all the answers. So when you talk about, you know, Steven, you going in and you're like the 10th guy that's shown up today to try to get this guy's business. It's like, okay, how great are you? How great is your system and your world class or this or that? And he's just expecting, you're like, um, no, dude, I'm, 
I want to learn about your business because maybe what I have isn't for you. Exactly. And that's an example. And that's something that I learned. But the experience of network marketing, having more people to call on, because it's this huge world allowed for that to grow. And so when you ask where did that come from, it, it came from the desire of um, just wanting to serve people and understanding that here you have an opportunity and it's great, but yet I know it's not for everyone, but it yep. is for everyone, but it's in where they're at in life. And mm-hmm. having quick success allowed it to say, I'm not so desperate for that one client because that's the difference between me being able to move ahead in business or just kind of stay even. I think and so, to, and to your point of like the ten people that come and call on the, yeah. the client, if he comes in and he demonstrates that he's not like those guys, it might not be the right time. But in a year or two, it might be the right time, and they're going to remember yep. that guy came in with a Scottish accent. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. pushy. He was I demonstrating value. That's well, because that's why they remember but, it. No, I, your, yeah. no. So I mean, there's there's a guy that I I have listened to a couple of his podcasts. I, I won't lie to him. I think he's probably deep down a good person. I don't like the facade he puts on. Okay. And to me, it, it's a um, it's a direct line of his insecurity. I mean, he's extremely vulgar. He's extremely brash. I'm not going to say his name because that's yeah, not cool. No. I'll tell you off air because I don't want to put the guy on blast. But yet, what I do know about him is he has a, um, we'll call it a scar on his face. And, you know, he struggled with that a lot because people would kind of look at him awkward or whatever. But what it turned out is it what's made him different and it made him recognizable. Well, I'm a bald guy with big ears and I'm also, (laughs) you know, fairly fit. And so what's funny is I become recognizable. My wife, who is, you know, tall, blonde and beautiful. And what's funny is sometimes she's very recognizable. Other times she just kind of blends in because that's a lot of the people around. And it's funny, we can be in social settings and people recognize me as the, you know, fit bald guy. I think what's interesting there in, in you know, about your Scottish accent is you walk in and what sets you apart is that. That's your, that's your, you know, don't lose it because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, is that what's make you different. And when they can couple that with, hey, that experience with him was different too, then you're massively recognizable. It's like, you know, I'm not happy with our service here. Who do we go to? It's like, oh, you know, remember that guy with a Scottish accent? He was a goofball, but, you know, he was really nice. (laughs) Truth. Yeah. And so, I mean, those those things that really kind of develop who you are, that at certain parts in life, we talked about this when we met up for coffee the other day, Ben, is when you get to the point in life, and I'm convinced some people have it happen early like you did. Mm-hmm. And some people, it, it's not until they're on their deathbed that they recognize who I am yeah. is who I am. And that's good enough. Ever. And okay. I just need to embrace that and be comfortable with that. And once I am, everyone else will be too, as opposed to putting on this mask, putting on this show of who I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, getting all the way back to what gives people in certain industries. And I would say specifically network marketing, um, a bad rap is when it is I'm trying to follow something that's not me mm-hmm. or I'm trying to do something I'm not comfortable with because someone told me this is the only way to do it. Yep. And it has to be high pressure and it has to be here now and there has to be ultra urgency. And we live in a day and age where people don't have tolerance for it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Well, it's funny, you again, that you, you touched on some concepts that really resonate with me. Um, our gym, for instance, not to call out any names, but there's some personal trainers that don't look like they train themselves. 
That's the industry, though. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's not just that industry, and, and it's the same in ICT. Plenty of broke financial advisors, any of the network marketing. I've come across people that it's like you're trying to sell me something that you're claiming is going to make me lose weight, but you're clearly not living what you're doing. And I love that you and Kelly do look young, dynamic, fit, and you're out there living and you you actually embody the product. Regard, and I'm, I don't use isogenics, I think you said you have in the past, Ben, occasionally. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I remember having one conversation with you. And this is something that sticks with me because you've never, except for one time, said to me, hey, have you tried it? And you didn't push. I just said, hey, I've tried it. I didn't like the taste. And you, you had a, a good uh, retort, so to speak. You basically said, yeah, sometimes you got to cleanse your palate first. You're used to additives and fillers and so on. And I was like, no, I respect that because you just said, well, if you're ever ready, let me know. You didn't push. You've not come back to me since. But you two do believe in the products. When you follow you guys on social media, you're using them. You're living what the brand's supposed to be, a healthy lifestyle, balance, and you don't treat it as a get-rich-quick scheme, which I think a lot of people are sold a, a fairy tale, right? Oh, you can yeah. work 10 hours a week, and you address this on social media, and I know you wanted to ask about this. Well, this was that, I, I talked about this week with you a little bit earlier, was the six myths of network marketing that you shared on there, and I was like, I love it, because it's like you're being real about it and not trying to sell a fake bill that so many people I think buy into and they buy a system and they get into it and then they fizzle out probably within three to six months and they're gone and you never hear of them again. So can you share from what you can remember? Maybe it was just off yeah. the cuff and you can't <laughs> no, remember I, what the it, six it myths are, but it looked really I'm good. Like, hey, um, you know, I didn't prepare, but um, I think the, the, the biggest thing there, the myths about network marketing is the fact that um, – you know, whether you say it's a get rich quick, it's like, hey, here's all this money, here's all this fame yeah. here. Like, no, it's like anything else. You got to put in the work, yep. and you have to, you know, walk the walk. And you know, it's not a all up and then you know there forever. Uh, I read a book. He's actually a guy from the UK. I mean, I'm going to encompass all that. Don't hold it against them. Hey, am I? You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was great because there's no such thing as residual income, especially in network marketing. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest staples of network marketing is you have this residual income. And I was actually having a conversation with Kelly today about someone in our business who, um, yeah, they haven't done anything structured in the business for two years, but they're still getting paid a couple hundred dollars a month because of residual use. Yeah. And yet that, that can happen. They did the work, but your work is going to reflect what you do. And I, and I quickly made a you know, kind of comparison. If I own a rental house, Say I own a rental property and, you know, I buy that house, I, I convert it, create a rental and I get a renter in there and I never, ever, ever maintain it. I never do anything to fix it. I never do anything to improve it. What's that house going to be worth? It's going to not be worth the same as the day one when it was worth its most. It's going to be worth considerably less. Everything we do takes maintenance. It's, it's in both of your businesses. If you guys walk away and say, you know, you don't care for your customers in one way, shape, or form, or how you care for them is going to directly reflect what you earn. Yeah. Well, network marketing is no different. It just has a slightly different curve. Mm -hmm. um, now, the other part of that is the fact that, you know, it is an all or nothing. It's like one of the things that I believe wholly is network marketing is an amazing business. It's no different from a sales uh, or service industry than anything else. Mm -hmm. It's if you have a product that you believe in, and what I said earlier is like the struggle at times is having something you don't believe is a good solution. Mm -hmm. And when you all of a sudden it's like, man, I like this solution. I like what it provides. I understand it's got some pluses and minuses, but holy, I really like what it is and, and I enjoy the culture. 
Well, when you can stand behind that, then it has validity and realize that I can share it, but I don't have to make it a career. And I think that so often people, you know, they're approached by network marketing, they're approached by the products and they think, well, I don't want the business. Like, well, okay, who said you ever had to? Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's a whole, there's a big difference into, you know, me referring a product and, and you guys have, you know, products here that you use for your podcast. And if someone asks you, it's like, man, I would recommend this microphone and, and understanding network marketing is no different. You're not out there saying I'm selling these microphones, but if you had an opportunity, somebody's like, Hey, what microphone do you use? Do you love it? And because you did the effort of referring it to me, you would get paid a couple dollars. Dude, you would do it. No skin off your back. Yeah. And the difference there is, okay, you can do that and be casual in it as opposed to professional. I think one of the other things with network marketing is the fact that it's, it is ugly and nasty and dirty. And it, it, no, there's people out there that do yep. that. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. There's ugly and nasty financial advisors. There's totally. ugly and nasty, you know, used car salesmen. There's ugly and nasty CEOs of corporations. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, there's ugly and nasty, well, just, in people in every career yep. and yet the the predomination doesn't have to be there so um those are some of the myths i'm sorry i didn't have the finer detailed uh, five points to so excited for all six of. of them yeah, yeah. sorry dude um, um, i actually have another question and shifting a little bit towards the gym that you guys used to have that you i think you said you closed last yeah. year yeah so called the training ground right correct so uh, a unique concept for spokane at least i think you it was it at his time necessarily yeah. Uh, so share a little bit about that. Why did you decide to open it? Where did the concept come from? Where are you yeah. at now with it? Uh, and what drove you to close it? Too? Um, so we uh, we started uh, the process in uh, right about this time, exactly six years ago. Wow. Um, it was at that point. So early I, on with Isogenics, too. Yeah, it was, it was uh, within our first two years. Okay. And... Um, Along the side with my nutrition career, I also took a job with a firm here in, in Spokane um, where I consult on commodity markets. And so I did that oh. for four years. And about two years into that is when we got started in Isogenics. And so at one point, kind of being involved in three businesses, and um, it kind of quickly came to the point that my income earning potential was higher within Isogenics business network marketing than it was in my nutrition career or you know consulting commodity markets. And so... I took the opportunity to say, hey, this is the path I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, kind of be more involved in the day-to-day with my wife. And she was like, hey, you're going to be bored. I'm like, okay. Um, and we had also at that point going to a, a gym, and it wasn't quite exactly what we wanted. So we decided, hey, I quit my job on Monday. On Tuesday, let's go start a gym. And so we started looking at places because <laughs> that's how my wife is. She's a, a high activator. And um, I like the, pragmatic. The idea came from my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who had a gym in California, and they had the same boutique gym with the same name, Training Ground. And so we kind of copied to a certain extent that model. Um, and our intention originally is that we were going to be kind of the supporters, financiers, offer advice management whatever but we weren't going to run the day-to-day so mm-hmm. we approached a couple about doing that hey this is a great fit let's go and uh proceeded to buy a facility because that was more cost effective available at that time than leasing somewhere and got the ball rolling and about a month into the doors officially being open that partner came and said hey um, i can't do this anymore oh. uh, i have uh, another job where um, they had gotten a job in that kind of three-month period uh, to be a teacher, and that's what they wanted to do, and said, I'm out. 
And so that was on, I think, a Sunday night. And then the next day, it was all on us. Yeah. And so that's how we got into the gym business from a okay. running it and doing it every day. I will say this. Um, both of us probably learned more about customer service. Mm-hmm. We learned more about um, meeting people where they're at than anything else during that period. You know, we had had at times, you know, we, we had other staff. We had management. It was a lot of learning, working with people. I say this not in a bad way, but... Uh, it was very detrimental because we poured a lot of money into it. We poured a lot of money into it, and, and my wife learned this lesson. She's like, well, hey, it's a way for us to serve. It's a way for us to give. And yet, John Maxwell, at one of her meetings, he said, your business is not your charity. And I think that was a long, hard look for her to say, ooh. And it was for both of us to say, you know, we can try to, like, pass this off and have someone else take and run with it, and yet we weren't there. And so we decided to, uh, about a year ago exactly, shut the doors it's funny even last week i still um, we still have the phone number on one of the phones and people oh. randomly call and say hey where's your class schedule um <laughs> we still own the building i've actually kind of moved into it recently as my office so i'm in a 3500 square foot building just me myself and i um it's a cool location though it, it, it's a beautiful the, location the, one of the things in that process learned yeah it's it's on the south hill it's in kind of the 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 country away from the city um it's off the beaten path there's an old schoolhouse mm-hmm. that that's what it was originally built for it was a community center it was wow. um all those things and it was sitting vacant we turned it into a gym we started we didn't have a franchise so it was a brand new name people didn't know about it Kelly had taught spin classes at a local gym in the Valley, but didn't really come with a clientele base. So we, we had only lived here about two, eh, at that point, four years, excuse me, didn't have this huge network of people. So we were starting, we didn't really know a lot of people. We didn't have a franchise and it's a very off the beaten path location, mm-hmm. cool location, beautiful mm-hmm. location. Everyone's there. It's like, dude, this is an amazing place to work out, but you would never drive by. And so those were kind of the three strikes that really made our business struggle. The fourth one, which I think we'd still be in business today. If that was our only business, yeah. um, we could have been there every day. And there was a lot of lessons. Um, about a year and a half ago, we had the opportunity, Kelly and I, to join into a mentorship program with John Maxwell, John C. Maxwell, the the um, you know foremost leadership author. It. And um, as we got involved with that and, and learning more about him and, and reading his you know 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and all those different things, the the one that stuck out to me because of where our businesses were the most, and I saw him display every single day tremendously with his CEO and made it the most important thing they did was the law of proximity. And one of the things that in the process of training his CEO, Mark Cole, he said, you're going to go with me. You're going to be where I am because you can't know what I know unless you're with me. And when I stop and thought about that for our gym is, you know, there would be times I would teach a class and then I'd be gone all day and there'd be other people there. And so when I thought about our clients and, you know, they'd come and experience one thing at 530 and then there's another instructor at 6.30 and 9.30 and 4.30 and 5.30 and 6.30, and they had a wildly different experience, every single one of them, because mm-hmm. the culture wasn't the same, because there was no you know, consistency and proximity. I also learned that in our network marketing business. It's really hard when you're working with people all around the world to have that proximity. And so that's where it takes intention to communicate with them, to go to events with them, have that proximity so they can feel who you are as a person yeah. and, and setting that you know, culture and what 
is important to you. And and so those are the lessons we learn, and yeah. it's, it's been fun to play out. Um, well, you know, probably leadership too in that. I mean, right when you're trying to protect a culture, or create a culture, to having you know sub managers, leaders that align with that culture. And I, I, well, I would imagine I don't have to do it. Uh, maybe some of the boards that I sit on, but creating a culture and then instilling that into your management team. It's like, and doing that effectively and that they actually are able to project that to your clientele base. Mm-hmm. Like that would be difficult, but I think that's what makes people really successful too. Yeah. I mean, and that's it, what makes you scale. Well, it comes back to people do what you do. They don't do what you tell them. And so they, if they have yeah. no idea what you do because they're never around you and they never see you. That's great. Yeah. How are they ever going to know what to do? Yeah. And, you know, they'll do what they think is best. And, and sometimes that's great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, whether training, if you train people the right way, if you work with them constantly, that's great. But if you're not doing that, then it's really, really hard. It gets lost. You know, that's where I look back and, and say those experiences have helped us in other ways. And 100%, it's yeah. been a great learning experience. It was difficult. There was a, you know, potential merger with the gym that ended up not. And it, a lot of different experiences there. And one of the things I kept trying to do, we kept trying to do, is throw stuff against the wall to try to make it work. And the two things that it needed to make it work was someone with the passion and conviction that we had in our other businesses to make them successful there to mm-hmm. say, this is mine. Yeah. And we didn't have that person. Um, and that's, I think, a fault on ours of, of how hard we tried to find that person and, and mold them into it, but also knowing that took a lot of um, effort. I, I just got done reading a book here the other day. It's called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And he was talking about uh, the guy that owns Shake Shack, owns uh, many, many other restaurants now. And they moved from their first restaurant to their second restaurant. And their first restaurant was wildly successful. And, you know, they moved to the second restaurant. All of a sudden, things started to get a little sketchy. Things started to not match up Mm -hmm. right. And he used the story in the book of there was a client that came in, a longtime customer. And they were there for a party, and they ordered salmon one day. And this lady, she she ate about half of her salmon. And then she told the service, like, I don't like this. Uh, This isn't good. And so um, she ordered another dish, got another dish. And so the staff, the manager, the server, what they did is they then, you know, they said, hey, do, do we take that off her bill, leave it on her bill? And they're like, well, she ate half of it, so we'll leave it on her bill, and we'll take the other half, we'll put it in a doggy bag and send her home with it. Oh. And she ended up being appalled. And so she she sends an email to the owner of the restaurant and say, I can't believe you did this. And so then he goes back, and he's like, well, okay, so tell me, guys, what happened. It's like, well, she ate half of it, and so we sent it on. And he's like, okay, I understand why you did what you did, yeah. but yet – that isn't how we, you know, yeah. she's right. And one of his adages is every customer is right in their situation. Absolutely. And it's not like the customer's always right. The customer's right in their situation. So, you know, that's a lesson that I learned from Horst Schultze. Horst Schultze, part of our program at John Maxwell got to be, um, we have CEO calls with uh, CEOs every month. Alan Mulally from Ford, Carly Fiorina, Ralph De La Vega, all these awesome. guys, and yeah. like 30 people in yourself, you get to ask them questions. And one of the most monumental was Horst Schultze. And Horst was like, you know, he just came out with a new book, and I'm excited to read it. I haven't read it yet, but I know it's going to be phenomenal. And he talks about customer service. And Horst, you know, was the, the leader of Ritz-Carlton Group and started that group oh, and okay. started Ritz-Carlton. And, you know, one of the policies that Ritz-Carlton has is they, every single employee, whether you're the dishwasher in the kitchen, you're the, you know, the lowest on the total pole in the cleaning services to the, you know, highest level manager. They have $2,000 disposable. They can do whatever they want with for any client. 
to make it right. You know, he tells stories about someone didn't like the TV or TV was broken. So someone walked out of their store, went to Best Buy, bought a new TV, brought it in for him. That, that's an example of it. And one of the most notable is there was a guy who was working on a presentation. He was in Atlanta, and he left his computer behind. And um, the maid just happened to know this. And um, she knew there was, he was working on this major presentation. He was flying to Hawaii. So she didn't feel comfortable overnighting the, the computer to Hawaii. She just was like knew how big a presentation it was, didn't feel comfortable wasn't going to get there. Nice. So she books a ticket, flies oh to Hawaii, <laughs> hands deli- hand delivers it, turns around and flies back home. Whoa. That's service. That, that is customer that is service. Customer that service that service is world-class customer service. And I think, you know, as when you have that mentality and that stuff that I now look back and, and look at our gym and yeah. some of those experiences and, and you know, how we taught, treated people. It's also when you go to Ritz-Carlton, you know you're not getting it on Priceline. You know you're not getting it on the, the hot deals. Yeah. You are paying what you're paying. Yeah. But you know what you're also paying for? Is you're paying for that exceptional world-class service. Absolutely. And you're expecting it and you're glad to have it and you're still blown away by it. Yep. I don't know how we got there, but it's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I love those examples in my life because it also helps me remember, hey, how people walk away. You know, people remember not what you tell them. They remember not what you gave them. They remember how they felt. Mm-hmm. And so if you can make people feel amazing, and it's just something simple. Mm-hmm. Um, John Maxwell has this. It, it's something that I take on every day. And you know, I really admire him as a mentor and as an example. He goes, do something for people every day they couldn't do for themselves. That's cool. Yeah. And when you do that, it's amazing how much fun life becomes and how fulfilling yeah. life becomes in, you know, going back to your point earlier, Stephen, in regards to, you know, sitting down and you're just another person in the door. When, if you think about it, you, you call on someone for credit card processing and, and you could do something today that no one else could do for them. If you could just tell them how to, you know, do something with the system they have to save a little bit of money and, you know, maybe the time isn't right, but you could do that that they couldn't do for themselves. Dude, yeah. they're going to walk away yeah. thinking, wow, he did something for me. That's pretty amazing. Well, my favorite example of that, and it happens almost daily, when I have appointments set, I walk in to people and the first thing they want to do is hand me all their financial all their statements. statements. Yeah. And I push them back to them and I say, please don't do that. Make somebody earn the right to look at your finances and your business. And I say, we might look at those later. I might walk out without looking at them. I want to learn about what they're doing, how they're doing it. And, mm-hmm. and maybe, to your point, I'm not a fit. Maybe your volume is all over the map. Maybe I don't have a solution for you, and I'm happy to admit that. I mean, or somebody generally has a better speaking, solution. Generally yeah. speaking, we do, but... Well, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> But I think right off the bat... Good save, Stephen, good save. It's, it's funny when people are like, you just see them doing that weird, they turn their head like a puppy, you know, it's like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah. And and it, it builds that instant You've heard report. me say it before. It's like, date me a little bit before you propose marriage, oh, right? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. I, I got to know who you are, and I got to know what your need is before I can actually provide mm-hmm. a solution. So on what you just talked about, so many parallels. I hope you're going to ask the question that I want to ask, so keep going. If Jeez. not, you can jump in. But the parallels, you're, you're allowed I will to interrupt. Now. I'm going to interrupt. <laughs> the parallels I see, just write stuff down. We've got I've plenty got of down. time. I've got it down. The parallels I see with what you just talked about and my experience of the Spokane soccer world, like we've talked about why I walked away, right? There's a lot of nepotism. It's a three-letter word. Yeah. There's I mean, a, there, there's that. Yeah. That, that's all it is. Now, there's that. It, it's the same people are people and it doesn't matter what industry you're in it's driven by 
one thing and it can be either a good thing or it can be a bad thing Mm -hmm. and you use the word nepotism i'll use the word ego yeah and it's all about ego and ego isn't a bad thing in itself ego can be you know it's just understanding who you are yeah we mentioned earlier and i think one of the biggest things that i've changed as a person over the last 15 years and more probably the last eight years is my insecurity and no one wants to talk about it yeah no one wants to talk about insecurity (laughs) we want you to talk about and and, you know i I want you to get into the the soccer community but I, i think this is a good interjection is you know so often our insecurity we mask it mm-hmm. and we we you know like i said one of the things that i did for my insecurity is i i you know how smart i am is you know you know what i know and, and how i can put myself into situations like oh wow he's he's bright dude that's the worst thing i can do because then it's about me it's not about understanding and you know as you mature as you learn how to serve clients because a lot of times people don't know that. They're like, oh, you need to go in there. You need to tell them how, what we have and how important you are and you know how much other business you have. And all these other people are using your service. And yet that's just a mask of insecurity. Because if you're finding the right people and serving them, then all that doesn't matter. And, and especially men, it's kind of you think about the, oh, I'm strong. I'm fit. I'm this. I'm that. I have hair. You don't. I mean, whatever <laughs> is. A little sensitive you know, topic there, Tyler? Yeah. No, nah, I'm pretty yeah. cool with it. Yeah, it's all cool good. Yeah, my, yeah. You know, it's. It's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice. God made people to choice? be bald. Yeah. And you know what? I was lucky enough to have a nice, round, shiny head to be bald. So I accept it. It's okay. I'll take a mic three to my head the second I start thinning. Oh, should we tell him? <laughs> <laughs> Although we both look at each other, too. We're both like, uh... Obviously, Ben hasn't taken that advice. <laughs> hey, watch it. Watch it. I just wanted to make sure we evenly covered. But the, the insecurity Steve part of it... Steve is looking at so my hairline right when, now, you know. When people are insecure of what they're good at and what their value and strength is, then they play protective. Then they play like, oh, look at me. I'm bigger. And I puff out my chest. And so when you mentioned the, you know, certain sports in business and they're like, all of a sudden you see all this ego that are trying to protect their fiefdom. Mm -hmm. And it's all a mask on insecurity because they don't understand what they are uniquely gifted and good at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, to talk about the soccer part, I've had two bites at this apple, right? First time around. So I've been heavily involved in the Spokane soccer community since 2010. I was about a year where I just so brought wanted you here to relax. To Spokane, right? Oh yeah, I was still yeah. working in the soccer industry, so I was getting paid by the company Challenger Sports. Mm-hmm. I was selling uniforms, clinics, camps, all that fun stuff, and I got involved with a club. Essentially, we took that club, rebranded it, remodeled it, relaunched it as FC Spokane, and I took a salary from them, left the previous business, and tried to do it as a paid employee. Now, what I found was when I was going to meetings and trying to do things what I considered the right way and what a lot of people had bought into, I was getting the pushback that, yeah, but you get paid to do this. So long story short, it was about three years, got the heck out of it, walked away. That was... What? What are you I mean, laughing at? He's laughing at me looking at I mean, laughing at ben. Ben, ben. ben all of a sudden decided to make sure that his, I don't know what you I was making, making sure. sure the mic, I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't check to make sure that the back said back. <laughs> I'm like, I could have been talking into this I mic. I mean, an hour there. into yeah. this, Ben, and all of a sudden like, you're oh, worried oh, about, crap. you know, hey. My bike. I'm good. There's it does yeah. say back there. Cassie will be happy at least. Wow. <laughs> oh, you said her name. Watch um, it, Cassie. 
Yeah, that's my and she doesn't listen it. anymore. So <laughs> yeah, she doesn't listen anymore. So, <laughs> definitely after this podcast. So I walked away that time, took a hiatus, moved into what I'm doing with Heartland, and about a year later, maybe a year and a half, the opportunity arose to be involved with the organisation that Ty- one of Tyler's kids still involved in, right? Or both of them? Uh, just one. One. Ah. So it's not a trick question. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, well, really this time around, one and a quarter. It's a blurry world. Yeah. This time around, I said, okay. The biggest pushback I always got before was you get paid for this. The decisions you're making are based on finances. So I'm like, I never want to make a dime from the sport again. I love the sport. I do just fine. Yeah, but it ruined it on for my you. Own. So I want to come in as as in a board position, and I laid it out for the board really simply. I was like, look, there's a lot of things that need fixed. We've got a lot of work to do in the next 12 months, and here's the pathway. And I, I literally presented to them, and it was puppy dog eyes, like, wide open just yeah this is what we want this is the direction we want to go and i said well strap yourselves in it's going to be a ride and we're going to we're going to move fast we have to be agile we want to you know stay ahead of the the competition Mm -hmm. instead of reacting to everything they do and it was interesting because it went from that to literally five months in they were exhausted my passion my energy was completely unrivaled and i mean it didn't waver at all and I thought we were moving in a certain direction and then all of a sudden some things happened and people were coming to me saying it's so it's so tiresome we want a month to think about this and I was like we can't think about it for a month we have to make decisions in an agile way it's not to say we can't discuss it it's not to say it can't be amended but we have to react before things happen and be proactive so long story short again I walked away again and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of the fact that I've walked away from the sport I love twice now and when people ask me, I have zero intention of being involved again. Yeah. I mean, I'll do the odd session here and there. I bring a lot to the table in terms of what I can do on the field, what I know. Because I've been all over the country doing it, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen different states. I've seen different club setups. I've worked with every organization in the, in the country and have really great contacts all over the place. And I'm able to access things and bring different ideas. But Spokane, for some reason in the soccer industry, is like five, maybe seven years behind the rest of the country. And it's so infuriating. And I don't know that I have the patience, and we've talked about this, to throw myself into it again and get the same result and have to walk away again. And it, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself because I, I love it and I want to fix it. I had somebody texting with me last night about a college ID camp. She sent me a framework, and I was like, okay, here's what I would change, and I sent it all back to her this morning, and she loved it. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Yeah, those are great ideas, and the concepts, like, we were going to do it this way, and I know there's a lot to offer. I just need to figure out a way that I can do it without having my heart broken, so to speak. Maybe we should talk about this on the next accountability yeah. podcast. Well, so, I mean, I think we could we could end. We could say, hey, thanks for this time, and then we can get into a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what I want to say there is what did you learn? <laughs> because because I heard some things there that I, I guess I've I've learned in the experience that I've had to walk through. You know, I, I'm a I'm a farm kid at heart. Uh, I have a passion for agriculture. I don't work in it today classically, and a lot of it's because of the exact same things that you said mm-hmm. is you know, and I had to learn to separate. Now, I do more today to support agriculture than I've ever done in my life. You know, so when I come back, is what did you learn? So, the first, the word that comes to mind for me is inertia, and the worst answer anybody can give me is we've always done it this way. I mean that that makes me want to bang my head against the wall. And I and I got it a lot. But what I learned was that to use an old phrase is the best way to eat an elephant is one piece at a time. I came into it 
and, and the second time around, I came into it trying to push too much too soon. I did not build the comfort with the people because some of the stuff we were trying to do was risky. I didn't build that comfort level. At least I misread the room, you know. And what I didn't do was surround myself with people that believed in the culture that they said they did. So the concept sounded great, but the nitty gritty, and we didn't have people on the board at the time that wanted to put in 10 hours a week. So it's, you know, I think culture is really important, and you mentioned that earlier. We didn't have the culture, and I had to do more to so try and build that So if you were to go back culture. and change one thing, what would you do first? One thing? With what you just said. <laughs> this interview has totally changed. <laughs> what, what would you do? Well, you um, just said it. Is admit it. Yeah, I would. I would either. I would try and build more trust in what I was trying to do. I didn't okay. spend long enough. So how that. how do you build trust? Relationships. That's part of it. But it's having a vision. Yeah. And bringing people into that vision. I, I think one of the things, and this relates to me and my previous career and the frustrations. Um, it's something Kelly and I have wildly recognized. And it's probably the biggest thing that separates the um, people that are successful, and I would say business, but I'm going to say network marketing, Mm -hmm. and also the people that feel this isn't for me, there's something different. Yeah. You can't put your passion on other people. The only thing that you can do is light a fire in their passion. So part of a, a leader's job is to understand and to build those relationships and build that trust so then you can then influence. Yeah. And a lot of that is culture. And a lot of that is saying, hey, this is what I'm about and this is who I am and, and this is what's important to me. And when you do that, now all of a sudden you're building rapport and you're building trust and people are like, oh, dude, I know where he's going. I want to go with him. Yeah. Um, one job that I would say, um, you know, Kelly and I have – I would say it, it, it's a it's a virtue of that we don't know why, um, but we have been given a massively large platform in the world we're in. We're not famous. We don't have a little blue check on Instagram, whatever else. We haven't paid to have that happen. <laughs> and let me just tell you, you can pay to have it happen. I know. We know people that do. But it, it's also the standpoint we, we see what God has given us in the platform and the ability to influence and the ability to touch people and stuff that I don't even realize and, and I have other people telling me that. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned there is our job is nothing more than to have a vision, to tell that vision over and over and over and over again, and then walk beside people and tell them, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. And I believe you have these strengths to help us get to where we collectively have a vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned is a leader's job. I mean, you know, people think that a leader needs to lead from the front. Or, Peter, uh, you know, some people think, well, you know, a, a good leader is one that's behind everyone, just kind of shepherding them. Well, leader's role is threefold. It's a dance. Sometimes you're leading. Sometimes you're following. Sometimes you're walking beside. Is that a and, country song, too? Um, <laughs> sometimes you're leading. Sometimes you follow. Yeah, I... I, I yeah. I think we'll probably not have you karaoke or sing. <laughs> That's Whoa. my job. I do the karaoke. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, after a few I, drinks, this liquid courage So, you know, when, when, when you tell me about that, and I think about my own experiences, why agriculture difficult for me? Because I'm wildly passionate. Like, one of the things that I grew up in a, you know, a, 
on a farm. Uh, we have purebred cows. I still own cows today that I, I show, and my wife makes fun of me that I'm a grown-up 4-H'er, but it's it, it's part of that passion, and, and I like taking care of animals. I enjoy the sport of it. Yeah. It is a sport, and there's, you know, it's kind of like you, know, you talk about the soccer player. The best soccer player is the kid that loves to be out there at 7 a.m. grinding. Yeah. The best soccer player is not the kid that is jazzed and excited to go to his match against the, you know, the best team in the state. Mm-hmm. That kid's just there for the glory. And it's like anything else. You do the grind. You do the work. And when you love that mm-hmm. more than anything else, what you find is, too, the results of that are irrelevant, and you're also way more fulfilled. And so I think about my passion in agriculture and, and kind of like – seeing that happen and when i had more passion than my clients that's when it was a rub that's when it's frustrating and what i hear from you is is your passion that you had was wild and it was overzealous because it pushed them in a way that they couldn't stand and and one of the things i've learned there is is i can be an intense person Mm -hmm. i can be a very driven person and as i've gotten older and and this was dude we could go (laughs) This what probably, editing's for. Yeah. No, uh, I'm going to open something up that you probably going to blow both of your minds. Um, when I was in high school, um, one, family tragedy happened, but two, I got to an intense point in life that I pushed a lot of people out of my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that passion and intensity, as I've understood, can push people away. So when you talk about, Stephen, as you had you know, that passion and intensity, you pushed everyone away. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, everyone, I am just, yeah, but when you look at the, 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 when you look at the mass that was going to move that in the right direction, you push them away. Oh yeah. And so you might have had a few people, but yet you have to have the masses. A few people move the boat, but you got to have the masses. And, um, so what happened to me is, um, younger brother that was killed in a farming accident. Mm. I was 14. He was three. Um, I, uh, I ran over him oh. and, um, that was the end of my freshman year. And what's interesting is I now as I've gotten older and I've looked back at some of those circumstances and how that affected me and like life, relationships, all those personalities, all those different things. What did I do? Well, grow up on a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. No one knows anything about dairy farmers. Cows need to be milked every day. They need to be milked multiple times every day. Um, and this happened at a time right about when that was occurring. So here I am, 14. And I know that needs to happen because I'm the one that, you know, I've been doing this for years. And so what did I do at 430 in the afternoon, right after it happened, I put my head down and said, that's what we need to go do. I could remember the sheriff, you know, sitting on the hood of his car in front of our barn wanting to ask me what happened. It's like, dude, you see what happened? It was an accident. You know what happened? Um, There's 50 cows in there that aren't going to milk themselves. That's what I'm going to go do. What I realized that was that's how I dealt with tragedy. That's how I dealt with trauma. That's how I absolutely. And the funny thing about it is, I realized that about a year and a half ago. I think that day that I slipped on the water, that's when I realized <laughs> when it happened. That, yeah, because yeah. I went to the gym, went to the, the locker room. Steven. Yeah, it was. Oh. It, 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 it knocked me straight. It and me straight. you know, I sat down on the bench, and I'm just like, "This is how I deal with shit." Sorry, we just got an E, but that's We've how always I always had the E. <laughs> that's how I deal with it. Is I put my head down and push. Yeah. And if you're in my way, I, I'm not. I put my head down and push. Mm-hmm. And what do I do instead of taking people with me? I push them away. Yeah. And, and that's what I learned and realized that, oh, I need to slow way down. I need to soften myself. I need to soften my tone. And it's hard for me because yeah. I feel lazy. I feel, you know, slow. I feel lethargic. I feel like because it's not go, 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 go. And 
But that's something I've learned that if I want to go, you know, the African proverb, go far, go alone. Or excuse me, go fast, go alone. Go far, go together. Yeah. And it, it, you got to take people with you. And so that's it. So have you seen then since you forced yourself to slow down and not go, 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 that you've it experienced sucks. more success though? <laughs> um, it's frustrating and more, you have to deal with the frustration. You know, it's here, not who you are, right? Well, but have you experienced more success because you're not pushing people away and when your business is about relationships? I, I would say this. I've grown. I will sit here today and I, I, it makes me shake my head. It makes me wonder. I don't get it. When people are like, how are you guys so successful? It's like, we're not successful. We haven't done anything. And I know that's weird. That's hard. Um, we're, you know, top five earners in a global network marketing company. We haven't accomplished anything. Like, I, I don't feel that. And, you know, so I, I revert back to Earl Nightingale. You know, his definition of success is, you know, the, the progressive movement to a worthy ideal. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well... You know, what's success in our world? Is success having money? Is success having status? Is success anything else? It's like, you know, if I look at it today, I'm further on the path of success than I've ever been. And that is... So define success, too, when you're done with this thought. It's different to everyone. I know. That's why I want you to define success. You know, so my definition of success, what I want to do, what I love to do, is help others accomplish more they never thought they could. I, you know, how Steve and I got to another, going back to that, soccer. I was coaching my, you know, son's soccer team. I'd coached for years, and I was often frustrated because I, what I never understood in youth soccer is how, one, it was always parents that didn't know the game, had no idea, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, this Yelling sucks. Yelling from the sidelines, yeah. Right. And so Kinda I, like I business, right? Well. There's parallels there. Well, the parallel is it, it's here, and it, it, it get back, gets back to, and you know, not only training with John Maxwell, mentorship there, the other big thing that's changed my life in the last two years is utilizing Strength Finder. Uh, mm-hmm. Gallup Strength Finder mm-hmm. it has a book. You can take uh, a test, get 34 strengths. We've gone through coaching with that. We've gone through multiple coaching, Kelly and I both. Um, to me, in, in to use a different sports analogy, we're going to lose, Ben. Here is it's like going to it's you know I'll I'll use you mentioned Gosh. college ID camp or you know I look at it as going to the NFL combine mm-hmm. and it's like going to the NFL combine and, and just bear with me here I, I'm going to circle around you're going to understand okay, this I will relate it, it to business and finance okay, just, I'm, just I'll, give me I'll a look moment up at the ceiling because ninety five percent of the world out there gets a little bit of sports analogy <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's like when you when you finally understand what you're good at and what your value is it's like going to the NFL NFL combine and for the very first time in your life getting measured and them telling you you're 6'5", 310 with huge hands and amazing footwork, you should go play tackle. Whereas every day of your life, you've been trying to play a cornerback who is, you know, largely they're 5'10 to 6 foot, they're 185 pounds, they are wildly quick and you've been so far out of position that you're frustrated and you're just like, I love this game, I can be good, but I'm not succeeding. I look at that in youth sports. What was my job as a coach is to make sure those kids had success. Mm-hmm. Now, that may have been where we won games, that may have been them improving, whatever, but I always looked at it, coaches like, oh, you should play everywhere. It's like, no. Put the kid in the place where he's going to have success. Does it mean that we work on things to develop his game? Sure. But if he's left-footed, he has no right foot at all, he can't, and he's slow as can be, I'm probably not going to put him on the right side of the field where he needs to run fast. Yeah. Because what's going to happen? 
he's going to get frustrated. But what people don't realize is all those other people involved in that business or in that team are going to get frustrated too, and they're going to lose trust, and they're going to lose all those things. And so when I look at you know the ability to help others accomplish things they never thought they could, that goes back to directly to coaching youth soccer yeah. and coaching period and loving it. And you know what do we get to do in our network marketing business? Help people accomplish things they never thought they could. Mm-hmm. You know, now all of a sudden they're making you know six figure income, and no one in their family has ever made six figures a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they all of a sudden are now healthy, and they're able to go play with their kids, and they never thought they could. At the same point, I, I look at it as a kid that you know, from a, a standpoint of, oh, I never thought I was good at this sport, but you put them in the right position, and they love it. They blossomed, yeah, totally. So that's to me. Six, what is having success is helping others do that. That's that's success to me. It's not a dollar figure. It's not yeah. a possession. It's not irrelevant. Not me. So two things I want to say first and foremost is thanks for the coming of Jesus moment. I really appreciate that we have those. And we do that at yeah. the gym sometimes where you just call me out when I'm saying <laughs> or doing something. You're like, okay, so let's find, find what the root cause is. And I think it's hard to do that sometimes on your own, right? You sometimes need um, somebody that's just unapologetic about calling you on your bullshit yeah you know like you figure out i'm going to help you uh but the second thing i want to do is i want to transition and we keep talking about your background and i want to talk human versus cow nutrition you said something to me a few weeks ago okay before we totally change though then since i since now i know where you're going What's on the business vein still? One last question on the business vein. Then we'll get into nutrition. <laughs> we need to bring Ben back in. Well, you we'll need to bring me back plan. in. Oh, oh he's yeah, here? All, all this freaking talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he got lost. I guess. <laughs> That's that ego side, you two, that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the John C. Maxwell Mentorship Program. Talk yeah, about dude. that. What is that? What are you doing? Yeah. Isogenics do that for you. You guys seek it out. You get volunteered to do it. It's what is funny. It? It, it's really funny. Um, it is one random uh, it's funny when we even talk to John about this because he laughs. Um, in uh, January of 2017, I made a goal that I wanted to find a mentor. And I really, you know, is kind of never really had one in my life. You know, I have a great relationship with my dad, but just um, I'm looking for someone else. And I had a guy when I was growing up, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian, spent a lot of time starting at the age of eight through 18. I spent uh, at least one Saturday a month spend an entire day with a veterinarian. I was, that's what I was going to do. And, um, so 2017 need a new mentor, need a mentor and just kind of prayed about it. And like, Mm -hmm. all right, August, eight months later, um, Kelly and I get back from an isogenics event and she just happens to be, I think laying in our bed, scrolling through Instagram and she finds this advertisement and it's advertisement for John Maxwell program. And it was called his executive circle. And, um, so she kind of looks into it and she's like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is something for us to do. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest at that point, I think I had read, you know, I knew who John was. I'd read some of his stuff, but I think I'd only read one of his books. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's like, yeah, let's do it. So, um, a month later, uh, no, excuse me. Yeah. A month later we were in, um, going September, we were in Chick-fil-A headquarters. So it was kind of there right after. And um, what that program was is a 12 month program where spent two live sessions with John uh, for a couple days. And then every month we had a call with a leading CEO, Mm -hmm. Alan Mulally, 
Horst Schultze, yeah. Carly Fiorina. And at our meeting in Chick-fil-A, uh, one of the people there was in, actually in charge of his network marketing side. And uh, she's like, hey, um, so you guys do network marketing with Isogenics. Um, you sure this is where you want to be? And we're like, yeah. And, and part of it was that we... <laughs> One of our missions, inadvertently, but kind of along the way, is to be show people how network marketing could or should be done yeah. and not fall into the trap of this is the way it's always done. So we've really never adhered to a lot of the mainstream network marketers. And part of that is I view it's all the same as business. You want to accomplish things, then help people, and, and I don't care what business you're in. And so that's where we wanted to be. Um, and I got to make great friends in SAP and you know great friends in other companies that you know was like, oh, I want to how are they doing things? And so they said, Hey, we have a network marketing thing coming up in January. Would you guys like to come to it? And we're like, okay, sure. Um, so we went to that kind of gotten involved. Um, at that, we were also exposed to John has a nonprofit called equip. And, um, this nonprofit teaches transformational leadership in developing countries. Um, and, uh, they Costa Rica, Guatemala, Paraguay, uh, they've done some stuff in Saudi Arabia as well. Really kind of cool stuff. And so we have found an opportunity to get involved with that. And so that's kind of brought us into a lot of different things in, in John's community. And ultimately, uh, we had also uh, were asked to be on his advisory council for of network marketing. And cool. so that's kind of the – some of our – we're involved with Equip. We're involved with uh, his advisory council now. So um, that's how all so that kind of came about. Yeah, it's – Totally. And it, what's fun about that is, you know, to to have those relations. And one of the things I've learned about John is, is you know, John has an inner circle. He has an, uh, kind of an outer circle, he calls it. And uh, he is not abashed. And he, he, I really admire the guy to say, if you're providing value, you're here. And if you don't provide value, then you're not here. Yeah, bye-bye. And um, to see it kind of and not understand why Kelly and I keep being invited in. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to have dinner at both of his houses, to, you know, sit down at a table with Art Williams, the founder of uh, Primerica, yeah. A.O. Williams Company, to, you know, do some of those things that, I, you know, I could – it was funny a couple of weeks ago, just walking through the Salt Lake Airport, and I get a call from John. Um, and it's just those things that if you would have told me a year ago, year and yeah. a half ago, that would happen. I would be like, dude, you're <laughs> Isn't smoking. It cool how, I don't like, know what you're smoking. Things can change though, like that too. I mean, oh, like, absolutely. Just in it's a year's time, totally. And I think that's where a lot of that now seeing how that mentorship and those opportunities for mentorship and those things that are coming along is, is. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, of all the money that we've spent to try to grow, advance do whatever in our business, mm -hmm. continue to evolve. And I think that's something different that we do that a lot of people don't network marketing. The best money we've ever spent is money that we've spent on ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not on technology. It's not on, you know, social media. It's not on funnels. It's not on that stuff. And some of that is good. Some of it's been an absolute waste of money. But every single time we have spent money to develop ourselves and do so in a, in the right way, dude, it's, it's been massively beneficial so when's the co-authored book coming out with you guys and john um probably later this year seriously really? cool. yeah know. um he's writing a book for network marketing and um there's a facet of kelly and i are integrally involved along with a few others yeah yeah. Great. yeah yeah awesome looking yeah. forward to it well at this point we are going to split this interview up and i'm recording this in a different location so when we brought Tyler in, we thought we might get about an hour's worth of solid material in our interview with him. 
it seems we ended up with two and a little bit hours. And the next segment, we're going to split this up into part one, part two. Part one you just listened to is all about business. Part two is going to be about nutrition and some really amazing things that we can parallel in terms of animal nutrition. And, and Tyler really goes into detail there. So thanks for listening to this one. Part two will be next week, possibly the week after. We'll see how things go. And we hope you enjoyed the interview with Tyler. Uh, until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other.